Hello and welcome to the Body Surf Podcast with your budgie boys, Tim and Owen. Owie, who have we got on the show this week? Believe it or not, Timmy, we've got the one and only Super Biscuit. Now, there's not many, uh, what would you call them, mad scientists left in the world. Uh, but you boil them down, you put them in a big pot, and there's probably one in in every corner of the world. So, we've got we've got one of them. And Jason Hackford, the Super Biscuit, he's on the show today and we're super excited to speak to him. Uh, Timmy, it's a cracker interview and uh, I'm just stoked that the listeners will be able to hear what Jason is cooking up over there in Santa Cruz. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be crossing over to Jason in California very soon. But Owie, the Body Surf Podcast is proudly sponsored by Steady Freddy. Steady Freddy, do more in the bedroom with Steady Freddy, a spray designed to give you a more fulfilling love life. G'day, it's your new delay spray, spray on, play on. Formulated by a medical doctor, Steady Freddy has fast and discreet delivery. Express posted, it'll come fast, but you won't. And it has a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Make the good times last. Steady Freddy Control Spray fits right in your pocket, so you're always ready to go. Always read the label and follow the directions for use. Make your slonger last longer. And Steady Freddy are giving Body Surf Podcast listeners $10 off their control spray and a free three-pack of ultra-thin condoms when you use promotional code BODYSURF. 100% of Steady Freddy reviewers would recommend this product to a friend. So what are you waiting for? Go to SteadyFreddy.com and try it today. Check out SteadyFreddy.com and get $10 off and a free three ultra-thin condoms when you use promotional code BODYSURF. We said that two times, so you better do it doubly as fast. Steady Freddy is a sponsor of the Body Surf Podcast. Check out SteadyFreddy.com and grab some good gear today. Yo! Yo! Jason Hackworth, welcome to the Body Surf Podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. I, uh, I'm stoked to be here. Now, it took us a while to, to sort out the, the time difference, but I think we're doing all right. It's morning for us. I'm guessing it's sort of late afternoon for you right now? Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like 5.30, 5.30 in the afternoon. And you just got Please. back from a, a sneaky little surf at a pretty interesting spot. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it's kind of a spot that doesn't really work uh, year-round. I'm not going to name names, but um, it's on the west side of Santa Cruz. It's this little nook that uh, a lot of times it's just rocks. There's no sand there. Um, this summer, there's a bunch of sand in there. It's been kind of working, but I haven't really um, been there to catch it. Uh, it. It's like, it's really tide sensitive. It's kind of like a weird fluky little wave, but um, you know, every, everywhere in town, the, the wind was bad. Uh, this place, the angle of it is such that it kind of is uh, side shore when everywhere else is blown out. So uh, I figured, you know, it was it was worth going down there and, and getting wet. I got some good ones, but it uh, it made me late for this. So I Jason, that that's that's actually really interesting. To you're not naming names of spots, despite the fact that we have a majority Australian audience that are definitely never going to go to this spot. It's just good to see that that still happens the world over. Yeah, well, um, you know, people in Santa Cruz are like localism used to be a really crazy thing in this town like in the 90s it, it's mellowed out a lot um but you know there even even to this day like uh you know 
there's kind of a let's not name names sort of um, unspoken rule. So I, I'm, that's just kind of built into me naturally. Yeah, well, I, we have that thing here in, in Australia. The, there's a, a group known as the Bra Boys, and they're from Maroubra. Now, they famously started surfing uh, Cape Fear or Cape Salander, um, which is very widely well-known now, um, so I can name it. Uh, but they were known as these kind of scary guys that you didn't mess with. And I was having a body surf the other day and there were two bra boys in the, in the surf at Maroubra. And uh, Rob's was there and he's like, oh, don't, don't take a wave off them. Be careful. And I'm like, it's not the 90s anymore, mate. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, I'll, I'll drop in on them. Like, what are they going to do? Stab me? Like, it's 2021, you know? So I don't. The tribalism is just a bit strange for me. No, most people would know you, Jason, as Super Biscuit, and uh, you've been making hand planes since 1996. Uh, how did it all start? Um, I mean, I had been body surfing for a while, uh, kind of in conjunction with regular surfing. Um, and I was kind of north of town at this, uh, weird spot and a buddy of mine had a, um, later, later I found out that it was a train, a training paddle for swimming. It was kind of tombstone shaped flat on the bottom, uh, kind of rainbow colors, like a, like a sandal or like a flip-flop, like a rainbow flip-flop. And it had, it had weird straps, like one for almost every finger and one for the wrist, um, but when I tried it, the, the difference was like night and day. Um, and it never occurred to me to make a hand plane like in high school in woodshop or anything like that. Uh, you know, the, the concept just never, never occurred to me at all. So after trying this thing, you know, I was kind of had it spinning around in my mind. And um, I went to go check out a local spot. There was a, um, a busted surfboard in a, in a garbage can there. So I, um, I grabbed it and I took it home and I shaped it and uh, very uh, badly, very badly glassed it. And that was the first one. And that was probably the winter of 96, I think. And what sort of, uh, uh, sort of design or shape did this hand plane have? You've still got it. I'm actually looking at it on the website right now. Uh, it, it's, it's known as the, the number one. Am I right, Jason? Yeah, so um, on the bottom, I don't know if you can see that, but I, I number all my hand planes. This is number zero one. Um, I was fiberglassing it like like paper mache style, so it looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've described it here as prehistoric and scaly. It's kind of scaly. It's the proto biscuit. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the ancient ancestor of uh, of what I'm doing now. Well, yeah. I've got here that um, you've gone all the way through to number 11 where you're at now. Now, you started in the early 90s. Um, tell us about the progression through your craft to get where you are today. So, you know, this one, this one rode like a dog and sucked. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's the number one. So for those listening at home... Uh, Without the YouTube vision, uh, it rode like a dog, the number one. Yeah, number one was no good. Um, <laughs> a, a buddy of mine taught me some rudimentary glassing techniques. So 
the next, you know, from there on out, they looked a lot better. But, um, you know, I was kind of going through the, um, you know, surfboard designs that were around at the time, you know, so like the potato chippy, heavy nose, tail rocker, you know, things that you were seeing like Slater and Machado and those boys riding. Um, you know, so I did that. I had like a lot of V going down the middle. Um, I was doing kind of teardrop shapes and like narrow swallowtails. And uh, I messed with a bunch of different stuff. And, um, you know, some of it worked, some of it didn't. I think what didn't work was most important because that's what I learned from. Um, and then number 11 was one that I made uh, like in, with a really wide um, fishy kind of swallowtail. And that one was the fastest that I had made to date and it worked the best. So that actually became the, uh, the template that, you know, is kind of the main one that I make today. Yeah. And I'm looking at that now uh, on your website, you've got five boards for sale um, on regular uh, rotation there and that's the super biscuit um, you've got the ultra biscuit uh, the snub nose uh, the pickle fork which is great uh, Rob's was using it the other day and the mini mother so tell, tell us about how those shapes kind of came to be uh, the ultra biscuit kind of when I first started making them you know just to um uh, making them like a business, I was getting requests for slightly, um, slightly larger ones. And um, one of the things that I discovered, you know, as I was working through all these shapes was that hand planes really like uh, straight rails. I noticed uh, in earlier years in hollow shore break, there was one time in particular, I had kind of a, I had kind of a, um, like a teardrop shaped one. And as I'm dropping in on kind of a hollow wave, I could see that just the just the edge of the curved rail was in contact with the face and all the rest of it, mm. you know, wasn't doing me any good at all. And I was side slipping kind of into oblivion. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, the ultra, um, kind of has also straight rails. Part of the reason why I do the wide swallow like this is so that I don't have to taper down by the tail. I can have straight rails pretty much all the way through. Um, the pickle fork, which we were discussing briefly uh, before um, came, you know, I, sometimes I, I struggle with insomnia and I was up late one night uh, kind of looking for inspiration in terms of, um, you know, like color schemes and stuff like that. I was looking at like OP shirts from the seventies and eighties. I was looking at the uh, vans from the seventies, like semi truck, um, you know, uh, designs from that era and also uh speedboats and a shape that kept coming up was you know a, a pickle fork speedboat right it's got those things that kind of come forward in front and set back a little bit i don't have one handy but um as i saw that it kind of dawned on me i was like i bet i wonder if that would make a good template right so i um i cut one and i um shaped it and glassed it and as it turns out uh it, it works really well yeah, apparently it's uh, arguably the fastest hand plane going out there and you generously gave one to us to give away in our big Christmas raffle. Robbie Meldrum won that 
pickle fork and has it in his collection. He's super stoked with it. Um, I believe that's one of, like, not many. Uh, how come you decided to give that away? <laughs> I wanted to, you know, donate some stuff to you guys um, for that uh, for that raffle. And, I mean, to be honest, the very first pickle fork I ever made, uh, I lost. So that one was the one I shaped for myself as its replacement. Okay. <laughs> so... It didn't, you know, like it didn't mean as much to me as the first one did. Um, so, you know, I mean, I can always, I, I'm, I'm actually making myself a replacement right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> I know that Billy Slater really, really, really desperately wanted that pickle fork, but he didn't get his hands on it. Uh, now, it's it's just a, such a unique shape. I haven't used it. Uh, I really want to. Uh, but it reminds me of other shapers like... Guy Butcher, Ben Way, and for me, you're in that category of the the mad scientist of body surfing. And may, like, it's just it's good that you're on you're on different wavelengths, you're on different continents. Um, and maybe there's maybe there is one in every continent. Where who's the Australian mad scientist? Is it Podware? I don't know. Uh, but f- <laughs> for you, Jace, uh, I want to see what you're going to come up with in the future. Is there anything that is in the pipeline? Uh, are there new shapes or are you kind of set? You're locked and loaded now. You know what works and you're just going to keep reproducing it. Um, I mean, you know, I've been, I've been working through kind of a, a series of experimental ones where the, um, the pickle fork and the mini mother were kind of the first experiments that I did uh, with like that half moon nose design where the rail kind of goes forward past where it would normally be. Um, I have been messing around with that, you know, just trying to refine, you know, the rail forward, half moon nose, straight rail thing, trying to make uh, a plane as fast as I can, you know, as fast as I can make one. Um, So that's kind of something I've been, you know, cooking on the side. I've got, Weird things like the uh, the, the jet powered one, which is um, kind of uh, <laughs> the silver bullet. <laughs> You're yeah. not talking about the silver bullet, are you? I am. Yeah. Oh, gee, is it there? Oh, in the flesh, in the flesh. There, <laughs> still falling apart. Now, how's it? How is it actually going, Jace? Because uh, I want to see it in the water, mate. I was thinking about it the other night. I was lying in bed. You know those memes where it's like, I wonder what he's thinking about. I was thinking about you with the silver bullet. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing is, is that the only reason that I had time to finish it was because of lockdown. You know, I was on furlough for like three months from my real job. Uh, so it gave me time to actually finish that thing. Since then, I mean, you know, I've got, I've got all these hand planes that people order from me. Uh, and I mean, those take priority. Um, so, you know, things like the experimentals or the pickle fork I'm making myself or the silver bullet, those, those kind of, you know, are at the bottom of the priority list. So, um, there's not really a lot of work I think that needs to be done on the bullet to get it to the point where I'm, you know, going to be able to give it another crack. But, um, I think a lot of my enthusiasm kind of, uh, waned for that 
so um i'll i'll get there i'll 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 fix it and give it another shot, but it's just lower priority at this point. Now you you sound like you're very busy making all your orders for people. Um, do you get much time to to jump in the water? It sounds like you're working heaps. I do, yeah. Uh, my my job, um, you know, I'm on the road a lot uh, in different parts of you know Central California, basically south of San Francisco. So every now and again, I have time to you know kind of jump in the water uh you know like like today friday is a good day for me because i have meetings in the morning which these days are all on zoom uh and then you know i have time to i mean i'll i'll do work stuff kind of throughout the day but friday i have a little more time to kind of scour around town and um you know jump in the water if uh, if it works out yeah nice and i'm just wondering you've got such a, a great selection of of stuff to ride what is in your floppy bucket what do you take down to the beach when you're jumping in the water <laughs> i was hoping i was going to get that question thank you that's like one of your guys signature things <laughs> um so i think i did a post on it maybe like a year ago i don't really I carry a lot of gear with me um, in the back of my car. So I don't have like a bucket per se. I've got like one of those kind of large-ish Tupperware containers that has a lid. Uh, <laughs> I have got probably four or five hand planes in there. There's, uh, there's number 281, which is my current experimental. I've got the Mini Mother in there, the first one. I've got a... Uh, I've got a snub nose in there. I've got number 109, which was another weird experimental. Uh, I've actually got a, um, what do they call that a Red Wings cleaver. You've ever heard of that? I have not heard of that. Is the, uh, have you, have you spoken about the 232 yet as well? Do you, is that in the floppy bucket too? No, Look at this thing. 232 died. Oh, <laughs> that's not good to hear. Yeah, this is this is two thirty two. Oh dear! Um, How did that happen? You, I don't know if you can see it, but yeah, uh, there was a spot in town that um, almost it, it only breaks in the winter, and when it breaks, it's like a crazy barrel, and like every pro, ex pro, aspiring pro is out there, uh, so it's very hard to catch without like 50 people on it and the takeoff zone is super small and they all know each other. So I had just, uh, had a session there. And so I was kind of, um, you know, like super psyched. <laughs> and, um, as I was changing out of my wetsuit, I left it on top of my car and I drove off uh... with it on top of my car. Uh, and a buddy of mine was riding his bike. This is kind of in midtown Santa Cruz and, he spotted it and grabbed it because he recognized, you know, the, the super biscuit uh, decal on it. So I ended up getting it back, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's flat. <laughs> what a shame. <laughs> now, do you um, ride any other boards other than your own? I do sometimes, um, mostly at different meetups or events. Um, you know, normally when I'm kind of just doing it, recreationally I'll, I'll use mine um but you know like the first time i ever rode a brown fish was in san francisco at the uh 
one of the um, Bay Area body surfing meetups that, uh, that they used to have there. I did a I did a trade with the party missile guys. They're not really active anymore, but they're kind of on the East Coast uh, of the United States. Um, so I have one of those because I did a trade with them. You know, I've, I've ridden a couple of slide boards. Um, you know, it's usually when I'm out with other people and if they have one, we'll switch, uh, you know, and I'll give I'll give that a shot. Like uh, in 2019, when I was in Oceanside, uh, one of the Hawaiian, like the, the I think, I don't know if he was the founder of Kahanalu, but uh, a guy by the name of Sean Inoka, um, yeah. he was riding a Bula. And I think I had the Mini Mother and we traded off for a little while. So that was the only time I've ever ridden the Bula. Um, but, uh, you know, um, if the opportunity comes up, I'll... Uh, I'll ride one, but I mean, I don't, I don't buy a lot of other people's hand planes just because I have a lot myself, you know. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, uh, you've got, you've got quite a lot. We can see in the in uh, the footage there just what you're showing us. And if anyone is listening uh, on Spotify, I really would ask that you go over to the YouTube and check this out because uh, some of the stuff that Jason has just in frame is insane. Now we've asked a lot about the boards that you ride. Uh, I want to know uh, about the fins that you're riding. You've got such a big fin collection. I can see it back there. And you've got some old UDTs that are like like older than everyone in this conversation's age put together. So uh, tell us about them. Um, you know, the, the being a fin nerd thing kind of happened organically. It wasn't anything that I ever thought about when I was starting up uh those those black and blue um duck feet that are there I got those in the late 80s those were the first pair of swim fins I ever owned um but you know they were kind of hard on the feet for a long time I was just doing stand on the um stand on the shore no fins whopping style body surfing um eventually I got into the fins and you can kind of see some of them right there uh, I had a uh, pair of, I had a set of black Defins that I used for probably four or five years. Um, I had heard about Vipers and all these other things, but, you know, Vipers were rumored to be really hard on the feet. But uh, I saw a pair on like eBay or something and they were padded. So um, I got a pair of those. And um, I haven't really looked back, but. When I got those, I wanted a pair of the V7s because they're a little longer. And then I kept, you know, I started searching for other fins and now I've gotten all these UDTs. I got a pair of repellers from Don McCready at the first world's championship that I went to in Oceanside, but uh, they didn't fit me. So I traded them to somebody for a pair of brown and green UDTs. So it's kind of just, <laughs> it's kind of just been this process. Um, Maybe that's the new thing, uh, because we all collect so many pairs of fins. Maybe body surfers the world over, when we visit each other, we could bring a pair of fins that we want to trade and then receive a pair of fi fins um, as, I don't know, just a token of our unity in the community. Now, um, I want to ask what your favorite fin is. Uh, I, watched, uh, I watched an interview you did uh, with... Uh, Letitia, I can't pronounce her last name. You'll probably help me out here, but um, 
parada. Yeah, that's it. I always look at it and I'm like, mm, I don't know. I just I don't want to try and attempt it. Um, but uh, you said that you were really interested in the yuccas. Now I've been writing uh, some yuccas lately, and uh, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying them. I I have a pair of yuccas. I have the uh, the all green ones. I think he calls those like the fartcos or something like that. Um, the thing with yuccas is they're a little too wide for me. Um, okay. The sizing is funny because when he when he first came out, like his first batch, I got a pair of those uh, black and tan ones in XL, but they were just a hair too small for me. And he was very, um, nice in taking them back and, uh, giving me a refund. Uh, so thank you, Sean, for that. If, if you're listening. Um, so I was waiting for him to drop the double XLs, which took a couple of years. Uh, but what I found when I got those, uh, was that they were too wide and my foot was kind of swimming around in there. Um, I had bought them unpadded so I padded them myself and it helped a little bit. I mean, I love, I love what he's doing. You know, his drainage uh, is top notch. Um, mm. You know, the, his rubber is, is a plus quality. Um, you know, the, the, the colorways that he has are super fun, but for me personally, you know, um, I never really thought too much about my foot shape before getting into fins. And, um, you know, I, I guess my, I guess my feet are on the narrower side. Um, so Vipers really work well for me. Although I will say that, um, the long blades that Yucca has look like they have a, a narrower foot pocket. Um, so if he ever comes out with double XL long blades, I'll, I'll give, I'll give those a shot. But, uh, I guess to answer your question, uh, Vipers is pretty much where I'm at these days. Nice. Nice. Now, Jason, can you tell us a little bit how you came up with the name Super Biscuit? Yeah, um, I'm not very good at naming things, you know. Um, part of the reason that I give all those experimentals numbers is because that's like the number, you know, that I number all my hand planes. Like this one, this one is number 290. You know, I've always numbered them. Um, so instead of trying to come up with some stupid name for my latest experimental, I just call it, you know, 232 or 281 or whatever it happens to be. Um, when I first started making hand planes, I mean, this is kind of, the internet was only barely a thing, right? In the mid nineties. Um, so I didn't have a lot of exposure to what was happening around the world. If any other such things existed, as I later found out, they kind of did, but um, you know, I remember getting out of the water one time and, and, and an older guy saw what I had and he's like, oh, that's a cool little handgun. Where'd you get that? I didn't know at the time that Body Glove had manufactured that black uh, thing that has like a hole in the middle that you grip in the 70s, I think, late 70s, mm -hmm. early 80s. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I don't, you know, this, this is America. People have handguns, right? Mm -hmm. So... I don't, I don't personally have one and I, I don't have anything against them, but you know, the term handgun just didn't really fit with what I was doing, you know? So I just started calling them uh, biscuits for lack of a better word. Um, <laughs> okay. So that, 
that's interesting because I, I guess the was the term hand plane around in the nineties. I mean, Tim and I were just spring chickens there, so we we weren't body surfing. We we didn't really know anything about it. So yeah, I guess what is the um, is the word the the etymology of uh, the f- the terminology around body surfing with this piece of wood in your hand or piece of foam in your hand? I mean, I wasn't aware of the term. Um, you know, the word hand plane existed, but it was for a woodworking tool, right? Where you're shaving. Yeah. You no. Know? Um, so I was not aware of a term that existed for those things. Um, once I once I discovered Instagram and how active the body surfing community is on there, I realized that there was this kind of, uh, you know, dichotomy, I guess. People were calling it a hand board or people were calling it a hand plane. Um, I liked the latter term better. Um, but I mean, you know, for me, I just kind of use the word super biscuit as what it is. It's a super biscuit. You know, it's a hand plane, but um, it's the, the word hand plane isn't built into the name, I guess, if that makes any sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of added the word super onto it later because um, number 11, actually, you know, I, I put a traction pad on it and I, you know, stuck a GoPro mount to the deck of it. And I remember I, I took a picture of it and put it on Facebook and I called it the super biscuit, two words. Um, some years later, when I was trying, when I was starting up, you know, trying to sell them to more people, I was trying to come up with a name and I'm terrible at coming up with names, like I mentioned. But after a while of thinking about it, because I, I come up with all these stupid words, but um, I was like, well, I had one, you know, I'll just take super biscuit and make it one word. And I rolled it around in my head for a while and decided that I could live with that. Uh, so, you know, it, it stuck. I think the, the best name going around is the Pickle Fork. How did you come up with that name? Um. I mean, I kind of just stole the name from the speedboat, you know, um, <laughs> it, uh, it was something that I kept seeing. And like I was saying, I, you know, light bulb went off in my head that I was going to try to make a hand plane that looked like that. Um, but I mean, you know, the name isn't something that I came up with, like, like, like I was saying, it was a, a category of speedboat, but, uh, I, you know, it's kind of a funny name. I, I guess a pickle fork is a thing that exists, right? It's like a little, you know, fork that you can get gherkins with or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But, but um, you know, yo, yo, yo. when I uh, when I talk to people about it and I mention the name and the speedboat connection, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I can see that. Um, so, yeah, it, and it somehow seems to be the hand plane that I'm kind of most associated with, I yeah. guess. But that's what I've... That's what I've heard, you know, traveling around to different events. People, people like point it out and recognize it. <laughs> That's so cool. Now, there's a there's a rumor going around that you had an exclusive uh, uh, body surf session at Kelly Slater's Wave Pool. What was that like? Uh, it's not a rumor. It actually happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it was good. You know, I mean. I don't know if, you know, 
it's hard to describe with words. Like I, I've been there um, a couple times for contests just to kind of like recon the place and see whether or not I'd be able to weasel my way in there. Uh, and the answer to that question is no. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it took me like a year uh, to, well, I've been working on it for longer than that, but yeah, no, it was crazy. Um, most of it is uh, way too fast for body surfing. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, it, that place is, uh, that place is mind blowing. <laughs> now, how did you weasel your way into that? Uh, there's a shop in, uh, Monterey, which is south of where I live. Um, you know, in California, it's kind of famous for having a big aquarium. I don't know if you ever saw the Star Trek before the one with the whales where they were in an aquarium. That was the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Anyway. Uh, there's a surf shop down there where the owner gets groups of people together to cover the cost. So, you know, like, I think it's a dozen people, you know, you pay a certain amount of money. Um, I was talking to him and I'm like, I want a body surf inside, you know, can I get a half a spot? Uh, and he was cool with that. So basically I was just sharing ways with the owner. Um, but you know, I, I tried, I tried a number of different other things and uh, none of it worked. So, you know, I mean, um, unless you're, you know, like a pro surfer or friends with Kelly Slater or friends with some of the, you know, the, the people who are investors, uh, there's, there's really no way for mere mortals to get in. Yeah. I'm a, a big fan of the PlayStation 2 game, Kelly Slater Pro Surfer, and level one is the wave pool. And I, I've played that wave pool for hours and absolutely love it. Now, tell us a little bit how, how it works. Is, is this the one where a, a train actually comes through and, and pushes the wave into you guys? Yeah, it's like a, they call it, they call it like a sled. Um, you know, it's got a bunch of, like, there's a track that goes along either, you know, from one end to the other where there are like, you know, rubber tires, like truck tires that hold the thing up and it's pulled from either end by what I assume, or I've seen pictures of like massive wheels that are run by engines in these buildings that are on either side of it. So the sled, uh, and it's like 200 tons or something like that. It gets pulled from one side to the other, um, you know, and it, it generates waves. Uh, I'm told it's adjustable. You know, I've seen footage of what they call like the Waikiki setting where it's just like a little, you know, crumbly, you know, mush burger that beginners can take off on. Um, when they were running it for us, they were alternating between settings that are called CT1 and CT2. Um, so they, 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 they had it up, you know, to normal speed. They weren't like turning it down for us or anything. Uh, it was going full throttle, but one of them is like kind of a straight down the line barrel affair. And the other one has a bit of a slower section in between so you can kind of do turns and stuff. And I can't remember which one is which, but uh, you know, apparently you can change the settings, I guess. Well, when we went to Urban Surf, Timmy, uh, we had uh, we had it set at beast mode for majority of our body surfing there. But I found that uh, the best body surfing was actually on, I think they have five levels. Uh, and uh, it was probably better on just the setting below the beast mode, just because in the middle section, it started to heave a little bit and it was just that tiny bit too quick. 
for the average body surfer to get through. But if on the level four, it was really, really fun. Uh, and I remember hitting the bottom several times on that beast mode, and it's not soft. So in the in the Kelly Slater wave pool, what's the what's the bottom situation like there, Jace? Uh, it's concrete. <laughs> Did you hit a couple of times? Like that wave has got so much juice that like there was a couple times where I felt like I was going to hit the bottom, but like the the pressure from the lip hitting the water was bouncing off and pushing back and like kind of creating almost like a cushion. So I scraped the bottom a couple of times, but I never directly hit. Mm. Um, I have heard stories of people like breaking collarbones out there and stuff. Uh, Nothing like that happened when I was there. Um, The sides are covered in like a slick vinyl uh, cover. I mean, it's textured. It's got like little textures. I, I don't know what it is, but if you're if you're watching ranch footage, the water is clear enough now where you can see, you know, where this textured vinyl stuff ends and where the concrete begins. Um, but basically, if you're on that stuff, you just slide, and um, you know, it's there's no there's no dragging or scraping or anything. I, mean, I, I lost a little skin. Good. And correct me if I'm wrong. It's pretty expensive uh to to go there and i i don't know it's for me a wave pool's a wave pool people people either love it or hate it i'm i'm indifferent because i like the search i don't i don't like the idea of having a perfect wave that i can body surf my joy of body surfing is in driving around to every spot and then deciding to go back to the first spot that i checked um, so, so how much is it to actually surf the Kelly Slater wave pool and what do you get out of it? Um, so I, I remember originally they, they didn't want this information being public. I, I think that it's been long enough now that it's out there and, you know, I, I've talked about it before. It's not a big deal. Uh, they have a summer rate and a winter rate, you know, the, in winter, the days are, uh, shorter obviously and the water's colder so um for to book the because you're basically booking it for a group you can't buy like a single ticket you got to go in there with the group uh the group rate for one day during the winter is forty thousand dollars right and how many people in a group uh i think it's like 12 or 15 something like that that is outrageous basically it works out to be uh three thousand eight hundred dollars a head wow (laughs) that is very very committed on your part and you know what power to you it's um it's something that not everyone will get to experience and the wave looks fantastic um so Good on you, Jace, for doing that. I, I want to know how it compares to, say, an all-siders uh, meetup. For you guys, that's your, um, that's your local club. Uh, and uh, us budgie boys, we don't get out too often anymore. But uh, when we're together, it's, it's not so much about the, the waves. And for me, I've been really thinking about body surfing lately, especially in regards to trying to get body surfing on the Olympic stage. People don't really understand body surfing, that it's not about body surfing. It's about friendship. And so for me, you can have all the gear, 
um, you can have all the ideas, you can have no ideas, you can be the best body surfer, you can be the worst body surfer, but at the end of the day, you boil it down, we're all just body surfers. So how how are those all-siders meetups? They're good, you know. Um, I mean, we're not as, um, we don't have as many people attend usually as some of the clubs in Southern California, you know, like the Del Mar Body Surfing Club in San Diego, for example. You know, God, I think they have like 60 or 70 total members and maybe a third, you know, half of those show up. I mean, you see pictures of their meetups and it's a lot of people, you know, we we usually, uh, we usually top out at about a dozen. Um, And there are kind of regular people uh, who always show up every single time. And then we'll also sometimes get people from other areas. You know, we've got people who come from the Bay Area. There was one guy and his family drove down from Napa uh to come attend sometimes i get people from down south or you know if people happen to be traveling um but yeah i agree with you you know um i I really enjoy the search um especially you know between where i live in san francisco there's kind of a lot of undeveloped coastline where you can kind of wander around and go down little trails and find uh you know gems here and there but um you know i mean Sometimes with the all-siders meetups, we score pretty well. Sometimes we don't, but it, it is cool just to kind of, you know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, we're, we're all just kind of out there splashing around, having fun. Yeah. And, and I guess uh, to boil it down, Jace, I, I want to know, like, what is it about body surfing for you that you really love and enjoy? What is the, um, what is the the thing that gets you out of bed to to go and have a surf when it's on shore? It doesn't look great outside, um, and, and I want to know what your thoughts are. Not only just on your your local area, maybe the clubs that are around you, but also the international body surfing scene. Um, for those of us here in Australia, how do you view us as body surfers? What do you see that's different between us and you guys in America, and even the people say in Brazil, in France? uh in spain or all the different um body surfers around the world what makes us all different but also what makes us the same it's a broad reaching question um yeah sorry about that (laughs) no that's right uh you know i mean i think that what what i see you know um instagram is a great thing i mean say what you will about social media but the the body surfing community is so active on there um you know, and, and it's great to kind of get this view into, you know, what people are doing on the other side of the planet. Like Ben Way is a good example. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's, he's literally on the other side of the planet, but, you know, I can see all the cool stuff that, that he's making and he's doing, but it seems like the, you know, the, the, the thing that really ties it all together is, you know, something about being in the ocean is just cool. Um, you know, whether, whether it's sort of a, a grounding, you know, thing that you do for your own sanity or, you know, whether you just like the, the exercise portion of it swimming around. Um, you know, my thing is and always has been that I, I just really like to get barreled. Um, yeah, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> well, all my, all my hand planes are designed around that one function. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned what gets me out of bed to have a session when it's 
you know, blown out in garbage. Um, if it's blown out in garbage, I generally don't go out. Um, I'll admit mm. to being a little spoiled, but one of the things about Santa Cruz is because it's in a bay, you know, the arc of it, we've got all, we've got like points and reefs and, you know, little coves and beach breaks and uh, side bowl setups. We, we've got enough stuff here, um, you know, that I can usually find somewhere that's, that's barreling if I look enough. Uh, so I feel lucky in, in that aspect, but, um, you know, like, uh, in, in, in terms of, you know, like the more global aspect of it, I, I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of it is the same, you know, I mean, like the gear may be different. Uh, you, you went, you went back to, you know, all the gear, like, you know, Brazil, for example, they're big, mm. on Kapo they're big on Kapaloas, the swim fins. I've never, I've never seen one of those in my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, for me, I, you know, I kind of get, I don't know if I want to say I get jealous, but I'm a little envious of people in cold or warm water climates. Um, you know, so like guys in Australia, I, I see you, uh, you know, in, in budgies or speedos or, you know, whatever you want to call them. Mm. Uh, I remember one time Belly Slater said something about, he's like, you know, he's like, you've got to get on one of these. And I was, you know, he was talking about like, you know, one of the, one of the budgies that uh, what's his name. Um, Uga does. Uh, I was like, you know, that's great. Do they make it in a four three? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's basically what I live in year round. You know, I, I live in a four three. We get, we get maybe a dozen or a little more days here where you can chunk it, uh, but it's it's mostly in the fall and it's definitely you know, not uh, not the standard. So like looking around the world at people who can who can chunk it, um, you know, it makes me want to it makes me want to travel. Yeah, that's right. I think that sur like surfing in Fiji, surfing in places like Hawaii, uh, I mean, they can do it all year round. They've got such a significant advantage to um, uh, to us and definitely yourself because, I mean, we can surf all year round. The, the coldest the water gets here is 16 degrees Celsius, which I'm not sure what the Fahrenheit temperature is. Um, someone can do a quick Google search if you want. We'll put Wolfo to, to the test. He's, he's in there in the background, uh, which is not that cold. You can put a 4.3 on in a little hood if it gets too cold. Uh, but just the, um, just the enjoyment of surfing in warmer water. And even for me, I found surfing in warmer water, I lose the fear factor a bit because my body is, not, is, is more relaxed. I, I feel as if I've got more oxygen in my system. Um, I'll put myself into more dangerous positions because I don't have to worry about the fear of um, kind of having the, the temperature of my body drop. And uh, yeah, I, I think you're right with, with overseas. It's, it's definitely that it's um, you look at the people in, uh, in, in London, uh, well, not London exactly, but in England uh, and how cold is the water there? And they're still getting out body surfing, but uh, how different is it to the body surfers that are in Hawaii? Um, I guess, Jace, there's, uh, there's a big question on my lips, not just in regards to body surfing around the world. Uh, and the reason I asked you that is to lead into um, my main push of, of trying to get body surfing into the Olympics. Who has the main advantage? Who, like... If, if, 
it was to go through. 2032, we're there. All the nations are represented. Who's taken home gold? Who's taken home silver? Who's fighting out for the bronze? I mean, I don't have a ton of experience with seeing people from other countries, you know, body surfing besides what I see on, you know, social media or whatever. Um, you know, just from what I've seen in person, I think that, um, you know, my, my, my thoughts lean toward the Hawaiian contingent, mm. you know, like KLEE and, um, and all those, uh, all those Defin boys, you know, yeah, I mean, I know you guys have strong body surfers over there too. So, I mean, uh, you know, I, I've, I've haven't really seen too many, uh, you know, too much of what, what they do in person, but that's the fair thing that, that my mind kind of goes toward. Yeah. Well, it's about the, um, the conditions that we, we body surf in. And, and that's why I wanted to see your perspective because you make campaigns specifically for getting barreled. A lot of people don't body surf like that. They'll, they'll hop on a shoulder. They'll try and do a couple of spins. Um, I look at, uh, point panic for instance, and it, it doesn't strike me as a very heaving wave. It's kind of pretty forgiving. It's slow. Um, it's uh, it's there for you to do maneuvers. Where in Australia, I think we're more pushed towards bigger, thicker, heavier barrels. Um, faster, deeper, the better. If you get hurt, great. That's even better. Uh, and I'd just like to see how that would all come together on an international stage and when you have people from Australia that really like heavy waves and then you have uh, people that, that just like doing tricks and then specifically on what wave you get, that would be great. And the, and the equipment that you can use and that's why I'm so stoked that we got to chat to you today about all the um, different contraptions that you've come up with uh, because it just gives people a perspective of what's out there uh, what's available to buy what's available to ride uh, and how different craft um, will perform in different environments yeah for sure i mean um you know if if body surfing was to be in the olympics i mean so much of it would depend on the kind of wave that you're holding it in right mm. um you know it seems like the debate rages uh wave pool versus you know natural ocean in terms of where to you know have surfing for regular surfing for the olympics you know one of the things that i hear come up a lot is that you know if, if the wave is the same every time then you're just boiling it down to pure you know ability and talent yeah um, you know the flip side of that coin is ocean knowledge and wave selection and sometimes just pure luck but um you know, I mean, yeah, I think that depending on the conditions that uh, would, you know, be available for a hypothetical body surfing in the Olympics, I mean, that would that would obviously make a huge difference. You know, I mean, like the contests that I go to in Southern California, they hold it in they hold it mostly in garbage. Um, yeah. <laughs> like everybody surfing competition ever that's ever been held. I've never surfed in a wave bigger than three foot. There's that pipeline competition they do. I've seen I've seen actual barreling, you know, stuff happen there, but like, you know, the the ones well and, and there's one uh what is it, the Noosa 
contest. It seems like that, that, that contest is always cursed with no waves. Yeah, well, it's hard, it's hard to get a wave there. Uh, in Noosa, you probably need a cyclone to, to push a wave of any sort of substance in. But um, yeah, you're right. And uh, I, I actually performed at the Noosa. Performed. Is performed the right way? I would say performed is the right word. Uh, for body surfing, I wouldn't say it's competing because body surfing is so much, so much more than just competing in a sport. Um, uh, and the small wave specialist definitely won that day. I, I've always said that I'm not a great swimmer, and it definitely favoured uh, the better swimmers on the day. And so, yeah, you, you're definitely so right there in regards to whatever wave on the day is what's going to um, get. Uh, the right types of people and the specific wave um, that they surf, it's it's going to benefit them. Yeah, I don't do well in contests, at least the ones that I've been to, because, you know, like I said, I, I go out to get barreled, and if I'm faced with junk, I kind of just go and try to tuck into whatever I can or maybe do a spin. It's not, you yeah. know, um, it's not it's not my thing, so I'm not... Uh, again, you know, those, those Hawaiian guys, man, what they're able to do in garbage is just phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just don't have that skill set. And to touch on something you said, you know, most of the places that I body surf aren't super far out to sea. So my swim game isn't super strong, but in places like, you know, Huntington beach or, uh, Oceanside or anywhere, you know, where you've got to swim out of ways and there's crazy current, the people who are doing well in those contests you know, have backgrounds in lifeguarding or water polo or, you know, competitive swimming in high school or college. Their, their swim game is strong. Mine isn't really. So that's, you know, another part of it. <laughs> Oe mentioned at the start of this interview, the, the holy trinity of hand plane shapers. It's uh, Super Biscuit, Ben Way and Guy Butcher. Now, if you could collaborate with one of those guys or anyone else, who would you like to collaborate with? That's a good question. Um, I mean, from my perspective, it feels like Guy Butcher is is a little newer on the scene. Um, and you know, our 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 media of choice is is quite a bit different. Mm. Um, you know, I don't do anything with wood, but I, I really appreciate his his creativity and kind of the the cleanliness of what he's doing. It's it's you know it's it's uh, it's beautiful, but it's simple and functional. You know, um, I, I, I appreciate that a lot. I'm not sure how, you know, a collaboration there would work uh, unless it involved, you know, one of these modular things that he does, like the skateboard pipo <laughs> thing that he did for Belly. That's, that's a different level. You know, I, I mean, I never would have thought of anything like that, but I, I thought that was really cool, mm. especially with like the little things that you stick the fins on. That's, that's, that's fantastic. I, I feel like, I feel like Ben way is probably a little, you know, closer to what I do. I mean, besides the crazy hand planes that he does, you've probably seen all the various like heads and Volcom stones. And, you know, he, he does stuff, with foam outside of surfcraft, right? Um, he makes all this this weird sculpture. So, you know, it, it, it seems to me that would be more kind of along the lines of what I do. Mm. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, 
what him and I would do to, to, to collaborate. But I mean, that, that, that seems, you know, that's kind of the direction that my mind goes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been chatting to Ben uh, a lot recently and uh, he's very keen to do some collabs. So, you know, slide into his DMs and, and see what can happen. But um, we've got to get out of here. Uh, do it all again real soon. Thank you so much, Jason, for being a guest on the Body Surf podcast. Would you like to do the sign-off? Uh, yeah. Well, um, you know what they say. <laughs> it's always overhead when you body surf. You. Catch you later. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, guys.